Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, and I'm here with my incredible and thoughtful co-host, <laughs> Dr. Millicent Ravello. And we are thinking about butts today. I was a little worried as to where you were going with that intro, given our theme. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughtful. We're thinking. Thoughtful. Because there, there is a lot to think about now. Yes. There's so, been some interesting legislation that we want to talk about butts. Yes. Butts are sort of having a moment right now, as if they ever were not in the recent past. But today we are specifically talking about Brazilian butt lifts, otherwise known as gluteal fat transfers, and the recent legislation and safety issues that have arisen with regards to these procedures. And it, it's, it is a hotly debated topic amongst physicians, plastic surgeons, legislators, patients. Yep, medical boards. It, it, is, it is such a highly uh, contested and heated topic that we really have to spend some time on this. Correct. And so where this is coming from is that recently there has been a large, relatively large number of deaths related to Brazilian butt lifts in South Florida specifically over the past couple of years to the degree that the Medical Board of Florida has taken pretty drastic measures to oversee and reduce potential risks. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a pretty big intervention into the practice of medicine. Right. And perhaps reasonably so, because we've talked about this before when it comes to plastic surgery complications. Typically, death is not on the list of a plastic surgery complication. That is not something that any of us would ever really consider a actual complication. Does it happen? Sure, of course, there are instances. But that's not usually something that we worry about when we're doing plastic surgery except for these Brazilian butt lifts. And there's a very real reason for it. So a little background, a little history into this procedure. A Brazilian butt lift is when you do fairly large volume liposuction, typically of the torso, but wherever you can get fat from, but typically the torso, the abdomen, and the flanks. And then you inject it into the gluteal region to create a more rounder, perkier, filled out, projected butt. And the problem has been if that fat gets injected into a vein, uh, the inferior gluteal vein is typically the culprit, is a large vein that runs right under or through the gluteus muscles, and it's a direct shot into the inferior vena cava, into the heart, into the lungs, and a piece of fat will travel along that course and get lodged in a pulmonary vein or vessel, I guess, pulmonary artery actually at that point it's the pulmonary pulmonary artery, artery yeah it goes from the vena cava through the heart, heart and then boom, into the pulmonary artery pumped into the the lungs and when that happens you can't oxygenate your lungs they the pathway for blood and for oxygenation is officially blocked and it's a pretty immediate death i mean you can't, there have been some instances of patients being saved but that typically involves being immediately transferred to a hospital getting put on a basically a bypass machine on ECMO until they can go in with an interventional radiologist or cardiothoracic surgeon and evacuate that piece of fat that's lodged in there. And unfortunately, that's very rare that that can actually happen in a timely fashion to save the patient. So this is what we're dealing with when we're talking about deaths from gluteal fat transfers. 
Right, and and death should not be a percentage kind of complication. No, not it, for plastic surgery. No, it should be like getting like death with plastic surgery should be like getting struck by lightning. Right. The odds of you going through your life and getting struck by lightning are so so small. But it does happen to somebody. So that's what it should be. We're talking about numbers that have gotten the attention of everybody to medical board to board of plastic surgery to lawyers to hospital corporations they are definitely noticing the number of people that are meeting their demise with this type of fat transfer and unfortunately not that death is acceptable for any plastic surgery patient but typically these are young women uh, they may be young moms, they may have some kids, it may just be just young. That's typically who gets these procedures. And so it's just not something that should ever happen. And we've known about this exact problem and risk, and we've known the pathology and how it happens for quite some time. And I remember maybe three or four aesthetic society meetings ago, that was basically the theme of the meeting was safety in gluteal fat injections. And they went through a whole checklist in terms of what you can do to be safe. And they went through the anatomy and they went through where the vessels are and what planes you need to be in and what type of instruments you need to use and how you should do the procedure, all in an effort to sort of stem this tide of rising deaths that we're seeing. And to their credit, I think those recommendations have become the standard across the board for all plastic surgeons. And the main one being that you need to stay in the subcutaneous plane. So that's it. When you're talking about the butt, you have the subcutaneous plane, which is the fat, the fat of the butt, and then that can be several centimeters thick. Below that, you have the muscle, the actual gluteus maximus and medius and minimus, and all those muscles of the butt. Piriformis. And yes, the piriformis is one that I know a little well because it's very, very painful. If we're getting fat in the piriformis, (laughs) we're definitely going way too deep. Yeah, it's way too deep. (laughs) The piriformis is a a culprit. Historically, fat would be injected in the muscles as part of the technique. The explanation was you inject in the muscle, you inject in the fat, and that's what's really going to give you the volume that you're looking for. And then I would say maybe four or five years ago, sort of the recommendations came out that said, no, if you really want to be truly safe, you have to stay in a subcutaneous plane. If you start injecting the muscle, that's where you're going to have problems with an inadvertent arterial or venous injection. Right. Staying superficial was the message. And I will also... Uh, bring it back even further due to my advancing age when the uh, when Louis Toledo who really was sort of the pioneer of this procedure and the reason that I th- I think uh, it was really named the Brazilian butt lift was right. because of Louis um, he in his book he recommended like no more than 300 cc's so that you know 300 cc's of fat will make a difference in a butt but the the numbers that I hear from our colleagues around town that do Brazilian butt lifts, I heard of one with 1,200 cc's per, per butt cheek. Side. And I would say that if you're really going for that exaggerated look, which is a super tiny waist and a big old booty, you are looking at upwards of five, six, seven, eight hundred, a thousand per side, depending on obviously the individual patient and, and their frame. So substantially more than 300 i think i would argue is sort of the average these days yeah i mean that's just that's just too much i mean i i think what happens is then you put the fat under pressure 
it's going to be pushed into the venous system or you know even through uh, lymphatic channels and and the, you're just putting so much pressure into a, a really closed area that yeah. I, I don't see how you can have problems i mean I, I i know people who've had massive problems with this operation and i know people who've had facilities where these massive problems have happened and it's a disaster it's it's always the story it's a 34 year old mother of two who's right. you know, arresting because somebody put 1500 cc's of fat into each butt cheek i'm not saying you can or can't do that i i don't do that yeah, I'm just going to go on record that I, I don't do that. that no, I'm not, so I don't want to recommend yeah. what you do or what you don't do. But I'm going to tell you that I don't do that. The most I'll do is 300 cc's in a, in a butt cheek and, and maybe 400 cc's if it's somebody that's a little bit larger. But, you know, when you start putting that volume in, where is it going to go? Where is it going to go that it, it can't, you know, it can't possibly be good? Right. And, it, and, and there are certainly problems. And... You know, for several years, many years, there was an argument that, oh, well, it's it's untrained, non-plastic surgeons that are having the problems. It's the fly-by-night cosmetic surgeons, or it's the internal medicine doctors trying their hand at a weakened course of fat transfers. And And to be fair, there is a decent amount of that, but we are seeing this complication amongst experienced board-certified plastic surgeons as well who know the technique, who know the safety profile, who know what they are supposed to be doing. And in their minds and in their hands, they think that they are. Um, And the problem is sometimes you just don't know where that fat is going when you're injecting it. Even if you're trying your best to stay in a subcutaneous plane and you're doing your best to stay out of the danger zones, Sometimes things end up in a place where you didn't intend them to be. And that's just the nature of this procedure. And so the intervention from the California Medical Board, is it the, was it the uh, California Medical no, Board? No, it's or, Florida, sorry, the, uh, Florida, Florida Medical, Board? Medical Board. So they came out, I think maybe a couple of years ago, and actually made it, you know, quote unquote, illegal to inject fat in the muscle. So they actually made a statement that said, you are not allowed to inject fat in the muscle as a way to sort of stem this tide of deaths they were seeing. So everyone said, oh, okay, well, we're going to inject it subcutaneously. But yet they are still seeing deaths. They saw eight deaths in 2021 from gluteal fat transfers. And so they said, well, that's clearly not working. Even if people are trying or saying they're injecting it subcutaneously, we're still having problems. What else can we do? So one of the things they did is they really cracked down on the practitioners that were having these uh, complications. Some of them perhaps justified. They had some shady credentials. Some of them, some of them weren't plastic surgeons. Some of them were experienced board certified plastic surgeons. So taking it out on the individual surgeon may or may not actually help the case. But the fact of the matter is, it's already happened. So whatever you do to the surgeon doesn't really matter because that patient's already died. It hasn't prevented anything from happening. Mm -hmm. So the next step they took was saying that for the next 90 days, they put in an emergency ruling that for the next 90 days, any gluteal fat transfers that were done would have to be done under ultrasound guidance. So what that means is that the surgeon puts an ultrasound on the patient, identifies where exactly the muscle is, where exactly the fat is, and then using the ultrasound as a guide, injecting the needles or the cannulas directly into that subcutaneous space. 
Yeah, and that's you know that's another device we have to buy. That's another, and you know, in the name of safety, of course, I would recommend those doing this certainly should get their ultrasound if that if that can prevent this kind of a complication. So be it, do it, uh, because that does make sense. You can see where the tip of your cannula is, and you can see where the subcutaneous fat is. Then you're going to be way better off. You're going to be better off, but it's going to come with some problems. Number one. We're not radiologists. You know, we can sort of figure out, <laughs> no, you do not. your training courses on the weekend and figure out, you know, what the muscle plane looks like and the subcutaneous plane. But at the end of the day, we're not radiologists, number one. Number two, you would have to be doing it continuously throughout your case. Yep. And That's for the sure. surgeon themselves would have to be doing it because it's kind of hard to have someone else holding the ultrasound probe while you're moving things around. So you, with your one hand, have to be holding the ultrasound probe and with your other hand, you'd have to be injecting. And when you're injecting three, four, five, six, seven hundred cc's of volume, that is extremely tedious. So what's going to end up happening is that they're not going to actually do it the whole time. They'll take one or two shots, be like, oh, this is the plane, and then stop doing it and carry on in the name of efficiency. Like That's, that's true. And how, you know, like it, that's, that would be a really hard thing to do continuously for, you know, an hour or two. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just think there's got to be some, there's got to be some balance in sort of the safety and the aesthetics here. You know, that, that's what I see. I, I, I think it's like, it's just so overboard, you know, like how big of a butt do you need? Like, does it have to be, you know, twice the width of your, of your waist? You know, do you want to have a 24 inch waist and then 52 inch, you know, hips? Is that is that the look that people? It are, is. It is the look. Them? And some people would say the same thing about the breast implants we put in. Do we need to have breasts that are twice the size of your waist? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, that's true. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. It is. I got we it. are here to accommodate patients' but requests. A safety issue. But to be fair, yes, there are issues with big implants, but death is not usually one of them. No. Um, but that's true. I do always say that. Bigger implants, bigger problems. Oh, for sure. I say it all the time. percent. Does anybody listen? No. No, not at all. No, I want 800s this time. No, wait, I want whatever you I can. You, I know. In, can you make customs year, that are bigger? Out the other, and I'm like, I'm happy to accommodate you, but just so you know, bigger implants, bigger problems, capsular contracture, bottoming yep. out, deformities, la, 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 la. Uh-huh, okay, all right. So what's the biggest we can do? Okay. Fine. Same thing, same thing with the gluteal, gluteal fat transfers. I tell every patient that comes in for this procedure, there is a risk of death. And I say it exactly like that. I say it's rare, but it definitely happens and it happens in the best of hands. And you need to know that going in. I've had one or two walk out and decide not to do the procedure. Sure. But in general, most of them are like, oh, okay, sounds good. So, so when can we do this? <laughs> What about now? There was one other piece of this legislation where they they were going to limit the number of cases that these guys could do because they were doing like ten oh, BBLs yeah. a day or something. And right. So this they was said, no, like you can only do three or something. Or? Yeah, because this was the majority of these deaths were happening in 2021, which, as you and I both know, was a huge year for plastic surgery. Everyone had been so cooped up in 2020, and then things were opening up. People had extra money because they hadn't gone on trips. They were staying at home. They were zooming into their offices. So there was this huge uptick in plastic surgery, and South Florida was no different. They just had this huge 
pent up demand for surgeries and doctors were doing four, five, six, seven cases a day yep. of these procedures. And one of the things that the Florida legislature said is that perhaps fatigue, surgeon fatigue, which is real, surgeon fatigue yeah. is very real, you know, certainly plays a part. And I, I can't remember the number, but I, th- I think three sounds about right. Maybe three max per day that the surgeon should be doing. Like, uh, <laughs> it's so funny that it's like, well, we're just going to tell you, you can only do three of these a day. I mean, so are they going to come and tell me, well, you can only do three rhinoplasties a day. You can only do two facelifts a day. Like, I mean, how, how does that make a difference? Like, you doing three of something a day versus, you know, the guy who's, you know, 74 years <laughs> old and, you know, uses a, a walker doing, 70, doing three a day. Like, it, it's, it doesn't make sense that that's a, that that's a, a safety factor. Well, I think one of the cases in Florida did happen because it was like the seventh case of the I day starting at eight I o'clock know. at night. It's wrong to and do that many cases in one day. It's in, a, in a procedure like this where the placement of the fat has to be so precise, there is very little room for error. So I think, I think that's the reason for it. Because, I mean, if you do seven... BBLs a day. That's seven liposuction cases. Your arm and your hand are going to be so I'm not saying I want to do that. fatigued. Like there is a yeah, literally a physical it. effort that goes into it. And the farther, the more you do, perhaps, you know, the more fatigued and less likely to error, more likely to, to make an error you might be. Well, yeah. But again, I also think that that's sort of a, like a very reactive kind of crude measure to, yeah. you know, try to add a safety net to this type of situation well, I, think, I think they are being reactive because they had eight patients die in a year like it. they're just trying to find some kind of stop gap i get it you know i i, I totally get it <laughs> but i just think that that that's not one that has any science behind yeah, it it's no, like, no, I, uh, I just do three a day and that'll do it no because if you do three a day and you stick them all into the muscle then it doesn't matter that you only did three you can have three people with pulmonary emboli you know, with fatty emboli, and and you've got trouble. And so the fact that you only did three of them, you did them wrong, doesn't matter. I know, I know, I get it. So I'm I'm not buying that. So I, I don't. It's just silly. It, yeah, but you know, I I feel for these this medical board that's just trying to stem this tide of of complications. Yeah, it's terrible, and 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 it's terrible for these patients. I mean, that's the thing. Like you know, these patients are are you know just. It's just awful. It's awful. It's awful. It's a cosmetic procedure. You don't need it. You know, you're going to survive if you don't get your butt enlarged. And then you do this operation and you don't make it through it. It, That's terrible. It's It's terrible. And and I feel for the families and the children that are left behind. And, you know, and and really the the, everybody. It's bad for everybody. And the surgeons are distraught. And, you know, it's just uh, so. So if we can improve safety with this procedure, yes, I would. I personally, if I were in charge, which I'm not, I think that limiting the volume that you put in based on BMI would be a very real scientific factor that could probably save lives. And I don't know that we have those studies, but that would be an interesting one to bring up. I mean, just go back to the original text. I mean, Louis Toledo understood it. He he knew what he was doing, and he he was pretty clear, like, do not overblow up these, these butt cheeks. It's just a bad call. So I don't know that we've solved that problem. No, we <laughs> but hopefully but we, we've made some awareness. We brought some awareness to the story and you know just really 
listen to your surgeon, make informed choices, do your research, research your surgeon, research your procedures, have an honest conversation with your surgeon, and make an informed decision. Well, and there you have it. This is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at Ravello Plastic Surgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. Bye.